Hello and welcome to another episode of the Knock On Sports Show podcast. Thanks for joining and please support the show by hitting the subscribe button. Follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at the Knock On Sports or you can also email the show at knockonsports at gmail.com. Knock On Sports, all one word. Today on the show, a lot to get to. We'll talk about a high school football player putting on a youth football camp. Also, the blood drive in honor of Troy Strong. And we'll get a look at my way too early look series. We'll break down four high school AA football teams. And I'll explain why I'm doing four teams instead of just one per episode. Like I talked about in episode one. I'll explain that a little bit later on in the show. First off, just want to say congratulations to all the seniors that are graduating this year. I mean, you guys and the class before you had to deal with something that hasn't been seen in nearly 100 years. So many of you lost out on your summer before your senior year. Hopefully you'll get to enjoy this summer and get to make up for it. Uh, But again, congratulations on making it through a very, very challenging and difficult year through COVID. Uh, You guys are shining examples. So again, congratulations and best of luck to you in your future endeavors. Be safe this weekend. Enjoy it. You guys definitely earned it after a very challenging year. Uh, So many kids that I know, especially in the Flathead Valley. So again, a big shout out to Flathead, Glacier grads, uh, Big Fork, Columbia Falls, Whitefish, so many uh, in the Flathead Valley, Eureka grads as well. So many of those players I covered uh, a little bit more than other teams because obviously I was in the Flathead Valley. I was in that area a little bit more, so it was easier for me to see those teams. But again, congratulations to those seniors in the Flathead Valley and all seniors across Montana, whether they graduated last weekend, this weekend, or next weekend, certainly enjoy it. Also want to let you know here on the podcast, uh, pretty soon I'll have some uh, new changes, new things, uh, ways for you to donate to the show if you'd like, or for advertisers as well. Like I said, uh, definitely want to get some advertisers on the show. Uh, Definitely already seeing great numbers uh, from episode one of the podcast, so thank you again to all the listeners. Hope you guys enjoy uh, episode two here as well. Like I said, a lot of content, and with that being said... We've got so much content for episode two of the podcast that we're going to have to break this thing up. So we're going to have uh, two episodes for episode two. This is part one. We'll have part two, uh, and I'll release that a, bit later, a little bit later as well. And then this weekend, I'll have a bonus episode of the podcast. Uh, the reasons why are, again, because there's just so much content uh, that I thought I could put into one episode. I thought I could just take a look at two teams uh, for way too early look. No, I got to do four because of just the way the math kind of works out. And, you know, right now I'm planning on releasing at least one episode a week because that's just what time allows. And, you know, once my family opens up this restaurant that we're trying to get open, it's going to be a lot harder for me. So I'm not going to be able to release two episodes a week. So it's going to be pretty much one episode a week here. So that's going to be the key. And that's why we're doing four teams uh, per episode. But like I said, I don't mind doing extra episodes. I don't want to make them too long either because I know for me, I've never listened to a podcast for longer than 30 minutes, maybe 45. But I know it's usually people just kind of tune out uh, by the time it gets to about 35 minutes. At least that's what I think statistics say. So I don't want to make this thing too long. I know last week it was a 34-minute episode. So we'll break it up. Uh, That way everyone can kind of enjoy it and listen at their own pace. That way you don't have to try and scrub through trying to figure out, okay, hey, what do I particularly want to listen to? 
So with that being said, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll have a couple, uh, we'll have two parts to this episode, and then a bonus episode which will come out later this weekend. I'll let you know about more about that once we wrap this thing up. Another thing I want to get to as well, and I kind of, I kind of led with this in the open, was the fact that we have a high school double A football player that is starting a youth football camp. Uh, that is Riley Bergerson of uh, Billings West. And Riley, if I'm saying your last name wrong, I do apologize. Uh, <laughs> but kudos to Riley for creating this uh, creating this youth football camp in honor of his grandfather. Um, again, if you talk to any of the coaches, whether it be high school, whether it be college, putting on a football camp of any kind is no small task. So the fact that Riley is doing this for a senior project is tremendous and a very interesting way, a very interesting senior project as well uh, to do because, again, um, this is a big undertaking. I mean, you could get a lot of kids. I don't know if there's going to be a cap on this thing, but, again, you're talking about ages third grade through eighth grade. You've got to get volunteers uh, to come out. you got to get uh, people that can help out and, and corral, um, you know, all the details. That's one of the biggest things with camp. It's not just simply, all right, everybody bring their cleats. All right, we do, do we got enough footballs? It's just not that simple. It's all the minute details that go into this thing. All right, time, how, you know, how long are they going to spend at, at this particular thing? Are they going to do competitions? What games can we do? How many volunteers are we going to have? Just the fact that all of those details, and Riley's going to take this on for a senior project, this is really, really cool. And he's also doing it in the name of his grandfather, Pat Dolan. Uh, this is a kind of a story that in a way relates to me because I just remember my connection to my grandfather. I remember reading the story again. Great job done by Spencer Martin of SWX. But Riley, you know, honoring his late grandfather, Pat Dolan, and creating this youth football camp I think is really, really cool. Uh, and again, it just speaks to, you know, that, that relationship, that strong bond um, that grandparents can have with grandchildren. Uh, you know, I'm very lucky that most of my life uh, I was able to have a very strong relationship with my grandfather and really grateful for that. That relationship as well made me uh, is a part of who I am and a lot of lessons learned uh, as well. So uh, just this one kind of touched a little bit as well because, like I said, I can definitely relate to uh, Riley and you know just the fact that how he relates to his grandfather and wanting to put this football camp on uh, in honor of him. I know Pat Dolan also, uh, you know, very popular name, uh, you know, well respected. Obviously, did so many great things in high school football in particular in Montana. So, uh, like I said, just really great to see this. So kudos to Riley and, uh, some of the information on this. If you want more information, you want to sign up, just check out the Facebook page, Pat Dolan Memorial football camp. Again, this camp is for ages third grade through eighth grade. Uh, you can look on Facebook, check it out, check out the information you need there. I know this is going on June 16th. Uh, so if you want to sign up for this thing, make sure you do so, uh, quickly. And I wish Riley the uh, best of luck uh, when it comes to June 16th and running this camp. Uh, I hope it goes off uh, without a hitch. And uh, like I said, one of the things that we are going to do on this podcast is we are going to talk to players. I don't have that ca the capacity yet to do that. I'm hoping to do that soon, um, but I can't wait. I'm going to try and definitely get Riley on, and uh, we'll talk about this camp at some point in a later date this summer on the podcast. So again, uh, congrats uh, to Riley, congrats to the grads uh, for what they're doing. Also want to talk about uh, the Ross family and the uh, Troy Strong blood drive that's going on. Obviously, I'm sure you have seen the Flyers. I know a lot of teams, college teams as well, uh, that are supporting uh, Troy Strong. I have talked to Wes Ross and Callie Ross. It's always great to see them. I know I got to see them a couple of years ago in person at the East-West Shrine game in 2018. That was a lot of fun. Uh, well, no, that was 2019, my bad. That was 2019, not 2018. It was for the 2018 seniors, uh, but it was in the summer of 2019. Uh, we got a chance to see them. 
it's always great to chat with them as well, and I know they do it in honor of their son, uh, Troy. Um, like I said, he's been such a inspiration for so many. The kid has definitely battled, and like I said, uh, especially with Callie, I love her Facebook updates. I think she should take those Facebook updates and eventually put them into a book. Uh, <laughs> I think that would definitely be a New York Times uh, bestseller. Um, and Wes Ross and, and the family, they have done a, a tremendous job of raising awareness. And again, it's it's people don't realize how crucial it is to give blood and how much it means um, for people that need it especially. And so uh, if you can, make sure you donate. Um, I'm definitely going to be donating. I'm trying to get some of my Florida friends to donate as well uh, while I'm down here. So definitely trying to spread the word. Uh, but I'll definitely be uh, donating blood in honor of Troy Strong here in the month of June. And I wish all the cities and all the teams that are supporting this uh, the best of luck to get everybody out and uh, to – uh, support and give blood and to help those, especially the American Red Cross. Uh, I know they're big supporters. I get emails from them all the time. So again, uh, make sure you support them. Check it out. Uh, again, I'll have a flyer up on my Facebook and Twitter page. You can check that out as well for more information on how you can do it because I know cities are doing different dates and all those things. So make sure you're paying attention to social media um, if you want to find out. I know the Rosses always are able to get information out. So just make sure you check them out, Wes Ross or uh, Callie Ross as well. Let's go ahead and jump in here on the podcast. Let's jump into my Way Too Early Look uh, series as we break down four high school football teams in Montana A. And so uh, these first four teams, I, I want to do a mix and match. I don't want to just look at uh, teams that were towards the bottom of the standings last year or teams towards the top. I want to do a bit of a mix so that way we can kind of look at all these teams here again because it's so fascinating, the dynamics and how it changes from year to year. So what we're going to do here is, is I am going to do two high school football teams here to finish up part one of this episode, and then I will uh, look at the other two teams in part two as well. So we'll break them up a little bit. I'll have my final thoughts about these four football teams in part two of the episode as well. Uh, but like I said, just uh, a lot of content here, and I want to try and keep these things uh, to a good, decent uh, listening length, which goes about 15 or 20 minutes. And then at the same time, like I said, I can always create more episodes. It's not like everything has to be crammed into an hour here. So I want to try and create uh, some different things so that way it gives listeners an opportunity to listen to what they want to listen to as well. So let's go ahead and dive right in here. And we are going to start with, well, you guessed it, the defending state champion, Sentinel Spartans. This is a team that was so impressive last season um, in more ways than one. I mean, obviously they dominated on the football field. Uh, no question about that because this was a good football team. We knew they were going to be a good football team. We knew they were going to be a contender with the talent that they had back from the season before, you know, made the semifinals uh, the season before and fell just short to eventual state champion Bozeman. So the Sentinel Spartans, they win a state championship. They won the Western Conference Championship. Uh, it's their first state title since 1972. They went undefeated last season in a shortened season. They went 10-0. They went 3-0 in the postseason. Uh, the Spartans didn't lose to a conference opponent. The smallest margin of victory in conference play was 35 points. Sentinel pretty much dominated the Western Conference. Um, you know, last year, I talked about this numerous times on my show leading up to the season and into the season. There were three teams that I thought could contend for the Western title. That was Glacier, that was Helena, and that was Sentinel. And Sentinel definitely uh, earned the title contender role because they dominated everybody last year. And when we get into the numbers, you'll, you'll understand why. Uh, if the play on the field wasn't evident enough, 
Uh, but Dane Oliver is headed into his 10th season as a head coach. He's got a 54 and 42 record, uh, six and four in the playoffs. Uh, Dane, if I got that wrong, let me know. I apologize if it's wrong, but uh, just kind of going on information based on Max Preps. The Sentinel Spartans have needed two straight postseasons. The last time they missed the playoffs was in 2018, and that was by a narrow margin. It was certainly not because that team wasn't talented enough. They were definitely good enough to make the postseason, uh, but just fell short in 2018. So the Sentinel Spartans, they scored 452 points this past season, only gave up 69 points this past year, which was good enough for a plus 383-point scoring differential, and the average margin of victory was 38 points. The closest game was the state title game, which they won by nine over Billings West. When you take a look at their schedule that last year, they had four shutouts during the regular season, finishing the season strong with three straight shutouts against two really good teams, especially in Helena and Glacier. I thought that was going to be a pivotal stretch for the Spartans. They definitely showed there. And then you look at it, I mean, again, it was only a conference-only schedule. But the most points they gave up were to flat at the beginning of the season with 19 points. After that, they didn't give up double digits until the playoffs. That defense was no joke, all right? So, uh, again, that defense was tremendous, very, very impressive. A ton of credit to guys like uh, Geno Leonard, the linebacker. Uh, definitely want to give a shout-out to Daniel DeFort. Uh, again, a defensive tackle. Got to know him over the last year. And, again, uh, a guy that had to go up against the likes of Dylan Rollins, who's getting ready to go play offensive line at BYU. Um, definitely, obviously, made Daniel a better player because I don't know if uh, Daniel was going to find a, another offensive lineman like uh, Dylan Rollins. But, again, really enjoyed uh, chatting with him. Um, uh, but, again, that defense was tremendous. You just When you watched them play, you just had to give uh, and tip a cap to them because they were just really were that good. They were that locked in every single uh, week and obviously a big part of the reason uh, why uh, they helped Sentinel win a state championship. I mean, when you talk about that state championship game, I mean, I thought that was a close game, and I thought Billings West probably was the team that would give uh, Sentinel the most trouble, simply because Billings West had all that talent that we kind of talked about in episode one. Uh, you look at all the weapons that Billings West had. You talk about the quarterback that they had at that time. I mean, that was just an offense that was – very similar in terms of the weapons uh, that those guys saw in practice. So, uh, again, a very, very good game at that state championship game, but tip of the cap to Sentinel because, again, when it takes the state title game to be the closest game you play all season and you still won by nine, uh, again, just uh, kudos to the Spartans. Let's take a look at the players that Sentinel is losing to graduation. Uh, again, a ton of credit to Coach Dane Oliver and his staff on the offensive side. I don't know the last high school team that had to run or that ran a two-quarterback system by choice. Uh, I, mean, I mean, obviously, sometimes teams will have to go through one or two quarterbacks uh, just because of injuries or circumstances. But uh, Dane Oliver, they get a guy like Camden Sermon coming over from Washington. They already had a great quarterback in Dayton Bay and allowed both of those guys opportunities uh, to thrive. And like I said, I mean, the numbers are very, very impressive. I mean, you look at Dayton Bay. Uh, you know, 78 of 102, 76% completion percentage, 984 yards through the air, 16 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. 
Pretty impressive stuff by Dayton Bay, and he saved his best performance for last, which was in the state championship game. I give a ton of credit to Dayton Bay for not only the way he handled the situation, because it's not easy. I mean, he was a starter from the year before. Now he has to share time with, again, a very talented quarterback in Camden Sermon, uh, but he was able to handle it. And then when he was called upon that state championship game, in big moments, he made big-time plays. So, again, a ton of credit uh, to Dayton Bay. And then at the same time, too, I talked to many coaches during the season last year. Camden Sermon was just a different level athlete. Uh, I mean, it, you're talking about a guy at like the quarterback position, just different kind of speed. I mean, I saw him against Flathead, um, you know, in my, in my first chance to see what this kid could really do. Uh, he took one step up to the sideline when he had some open room and he was gone. Nobody was going to catch him. Uh, so Camden Sermon, the real deal. Again, another player that was just fun to watch. And uh, just, you know, you look at his numbers last year, 62 of 95, um, 62 completions out of 95 attempts, 65% completion percentage, 949 in the air. He had 11 touchdowns, only two interceptions. You talk about weight down on the ground, 96 carries, 847 yards, 11 touchdowns. Again, very, very impressive performance uh, from Camden Sermon. Looking at some other guys outside of the quarterback position, uh, you look at Soren Sivrud, again, a guy that, you know, helped uh, running the football as well as receiving the football, did some great things on defense, you know, 654 yards on the ground, six touchdowns, had uh, eight receptions for 97 yards, also on defense, contributed with 39 tackles, had three pass deflections, had one and a half sacks as well. You go back to Donovan South who did so many great things for that team. Uh, one interception, three pass deflections, had 61 carries for 419 yards, seven touchdowns uh, to go along with it. And you look at Jace Klusiewicz, what what didn't this guy do? Um, he had 17 carries for 95 yards, a couple touchdowns, 27 catches for 398 and four touchdowns. Did some great things in the return game as well on defense, 32 tackles, five tackles for loss, three picks, three pass deflections. Uh, like I said, you can go down the list here. You look at T.J. Roush, six touchdown catches. Uh, you look at what he did on defense, 25 tackles, four picks, six pass deflections. Then you look at Hayden Cruz, uh, 23 catches, 310 yards, five touchdowns. Camden Dernberger, who uh, was 50 of 51 for the extra point, four out of five on field goals. Uh, like I said, Geno Leonard again, 43 tackles, 10.5 tackles for loss, 4.5 sacks. Uh, give it up to the offensive line as well. Uh, Roman Knowles, uh, you know, again, Joe Holzer, Daniel D. Ford, Dylan Rollins. No, not all those guys are offensive linemen, but again, linemen nonetheless. Dylan Rollins, obviously, as we talked about, going to BYU. Uh, very impressive. Can't wait to see what he does there. Uh, again, just a great physical specimen and uh, just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, if you were a defensive lineman that had to play against him, well, yeah, it wasn't so much fun for you. And I've been there as a former defensive lineman myself. I have gone up against guys like uh, Dylan, and, uh, yeah, it made for a very, very long night. Uh, looking at guys that are coming back here, again, six All-State returners coming back. Um, you look at in terms of the guys that made an impact last year, uh, Zach Cruz, you know, 17 receptions, 300 yards, five touchdowns on defense, 45 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, and eight and a half sacks. Uh, the tackles for loss in the sacks categories is where he led the Sentinel Spartans. So great to have a guy that can get after the quarterback back and a guy that can wreak havoc in the backfield. Again, we, we saw in the Super Bowl, and I think it goes beyond without, and it goes without saying, 
when you've got great defensive linemen, it just helps your defense out so much more. Again, you talk about being able to, one, rush the passer. We saw um, what did, when you've got a defensive line that can do that, when you've got a guy that can get after a quarterback, even with a strong offensive line, it just makes a big difference because then it allows uh, some – it, it, it takes some of the pressure off your linebackers in coverage. It takes some of the pressure off your DBs in coverage. And so having a guy like him is going to be huge coming back. And he's a guy that I think personally can be a contender for the top sack artist going into 2021. Uh, in terms of the top rusher coming back, Kellen Curtis, 22 carries, 118 yards, two touchdowns. You look at Charlie Kurgan, a guy that did so much. Uh, all, I mean, we talked about him all state punting wise. Uh, Charlie Kurgan, you know, nine catches, 152 yards, three touchdowns on defense. He had 18 tackles, three tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. Again, you're talking about Cruz and Kurgan coming off the edge. That is a very, very dangerous combo and uh, a sandwich you do not want to be in the middle of between Cruz and Kurgan. Joe Wida, a tight end, had nine receptions, 129 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, another guy on the receiving end, uh, Peyton Stevens, had a touchdown to go with four catches. Uh, you'll get guys on the defensive side that are coming back. Connor McCarthy with 19 tackles, two interceptions, three pass deflections. The linebacker Chase Williams, uh, 24 tackles, four tackles for loss. Drew Klump, 33 tackles, three interceptions, two pass deflections. The secondary for uh, Sentinel, good good pieces are coming back along with the defensive line. Um also going to shout out to Ramsey Knowles, an outstanding offensive lineman, Cooper Cress, as well an offensive lineman out of Sentinel. Um, just very invest, very very impressive players uh, coming back. Obviously, as I mentioned, a lot of guys that are graduating. And again, I, I know I didn't mention all the seniors. Uh, again, a lot of a lot of talented seniors. I know Dane Oliver would get a lot of them a credit for winning a state championship last year. Um, but again, just a ton of ton of good guys. Uh, couldn't get to everybody, but again, just highlighting some of the guys uh, that, that just stood out with big numbers. And so uh, just losing a ton here. They are. Now, again, I'm not saying that Sentinel doesn't have any talent coming back. Their JV team has been really, really good. Uh, but at the same time, you're, you're talking about replacing a lot of key guys. Now, like I said, and the guys that are coming back, having Cruz, having Kurgan, in, Kurgan in a multitude of roles, Coming back is huge because he does so many things well. Um, you talk about Cruz, again, from a tight end perspective, from a defensive end perspective, that's big. Again, like talk about some of the defensive players, having offensive linemen, big offensive linemen is always a big key as well. When you've got that big line, man, it makes things so much easier for your offense. And along with a big defensive line, it makes things much easier for your defense. When you take a look at the Sentinel Spartans, they scored 63 touchdowns last season. Seniors accounted for 45 of those touchdowns, while underclassmen accounted for 18. Seniors accounted for 75% of the points from the offense last season, while 23% of those points are coming back here for this season for the Sentinel Spartans. A very interesting statistical breakdown I'm adding to the Way Too Early Look series. How many points do teams have coming back? Sentinel's going to replace 75% of the points scored last season uh, for them. That is uh, a big number. Obviously, like I said, when you talk about a senior team like they had last year, ultimately you see, you know, when you're talking about state championships in AA, usually teams have a lot of seniors. You go back to uh, 2019 for the uh, Bozeman Hawks. Now, granted, they, they had a lot of seniors. They also had a lot of seniors last year. But, again, you're talking about a team that was in the state championship game and, and once again, in the semis last year as well. So looking at Sentinel, they got to replace 75% of their scoring. 
from last year. Questions for the Sentinel Spartan team. I think it pretty much is easy to look at the questions. All right. Who's taking over for Camden Sermon and Dayton Bay? Who's taking over from the quarterback position? Who's taking over at the middle linebacker for position for uh, Geno Leonard? Who's taking over the top wide, rece- wide receiver spots? Uh, who's going to be the top three options for the new quarterback? At the same time, who's taking over at the running back position? Uh, I mean, I would think it's uh, Kellen Curtis, but we'll have to see. Uh, so who are going to be those guys? Also, you got to replace quite a few good offensive linemen. I mentioned a couple that are coming back, uh, but you got to try and figure out a way to uh, get somebody in there uh, to step in the shoes of, of Dylan Rollins the best that they can along with that. And then one thing that gets overlooked, I think, a lot of times when you're talking about these teams, because one of the things I heard about with this Sentinel Spartan team last year and you know when I did my conversations with Coach Dane Oliver, well, he, sp- he spoke to this, was the leadership it's a, it's, it's a, how can I put this? Leadership is something that can't be measured in any statistical or analytic way. All right. When I look at even my own playing career, my final year, uh, we had great leadership. All right. We didn't have the greatest massive talent my senior year, but we had great leadership. That's ultimately why we did the things we did and we had a very successful season. Leadership is year to year. You wish you could capture whatever it is and just have it consistently go throughout your program. So the biggest question I have for Sentinel, who are going to take over in those leadership roles like a Geno Leonard and others? When you have great senior leadership, it really does uh, help elevate your team and really help your team have a successful season. And so when you lose all those leaders, uh, that Sentinel is losing, who's going to step up in that role and who and how are people going to respond to those new leaders? Uh, that'll be something that'll be very interesting, but I think also a very, very big question uh, for the Sentinel Spartans going into next season. Now, again, I, I've heard plenty of times the JV team has been good for Sentinel the last couple of seasons, and that seems to have been an indicator uh, for programs. When your JV team is doing pretty well, usually those players come up the varsity level and they do pretty well as well. So I expect that we will find out some names. Uh, I don't think Sentinel is going to take a big drop-off by any stretch of the imagination. Again, I still have them as a contender uh, in the AA for another state championship. But again, you're talking about a team that did lose quite a bit of production. And as I mentioned, 75% of their points. How are they going to replace those? We're going to find out some new names here coming up. Uh, And they're going to get tested early when you take a look at their schedule. Uh, You look at it, they've got home games against West, Glacier, Big Sky, and Capital. uh, Those are home games uh, for the Sentinel Spartans. On the road, uh, Sentinel will play Bozeman, um, Helena, and Flathead, and Butte. I don't count uh, the game against Hellgate. I know they'll say that that's a home game uh, for Hellgate, but let's face it, when you're talking about, and I say the same thing for when Glacier and Flathead play, there really is no true road team in those contests. So when I look at the, the road contest at Butte, at Flathead, at Helena, uh, and at Bozeman, that's a pretty tough road schedule. You're talking about even when you're being at home. Again, open the season against West. Uh, you're talking about uh, taking on Glacier. At home, still a very tough football team. Uh, then Big Sky and Capital at home as well. And so, like I said, those are those are the, that is the again I don't know the order in particular outside of Sentinel taking on West in the beginning of the season, but that is the home and road uh, teams for the Sentinel Spartans. 
The outlook for Sentinel, this team is still very good. The champs are not bringing in as much firepower as they did last season, but that is not an easy thing to do year in and year out. I still expect this team to contend for the Western AA title as well as a state title. The fact that they take on Bozeman and West will be really interesting to uh, see how those, see how Sentinel responds to those two teams, and, and that's going to tell us uh, how good this Sentinel Spartan team could be potentially. Uh, I do not know if a team has ever opened the season against uh, the team they played in for a state championship, but should be a very good test early on to open the season. Definitely has to be the game of the week uh, in week one, Sentinel versus Billings West. Uh, Sentinel has a ton of talent on its roster, and we're definitely going to learn more names as we get closer to the season. Uh, I see the Spartans will be a team that could potentially run it back. All right, that is a look at the Sentinel Spartans. Let's go ahead and take a way too early look at the Bozeman Hawks as you are listening to the Knock On Sports Show podcast. Thanks you for listening. we got two more teams coming up in our Way Too Early Look series in part two of episode two of the podcast. And again, later this weekend, I will have a bonus episode of the podcast. Uh, I will be talking about the all-state defensive players and special teams players in that bonus episode. So looking at the Bozeman Hawks, a team that's only a year removed from winning the state championship. Uh, they won it in 2019. Coach Weshi is entering his sixth season at the helm. Last year, Bozeman went 6-3. and three. They went 4-2 and two in conference play. Uh, Coach Weshi's record is 40-11 and 7-4 and in the postseason. Last time Bozeman missed the playoffs was the 2012-2013 season. Bozeman has made seven straight playoff appearances. They have had two straight seasons with multiple playoff wins. Bozeman scored 334 points last season, only gave up 156 points last year. Bozeman was in the plus with 178-point scoring differential. Their average scoring margin was 20 points per game. Out of the 45 touchdowns scored, seniors accounted for 43 of those touchdowns. Out of the 334 points, seniors scored 318 points. That's 95% of the points Bozeman scored. That's an impressive number and also one that you're looking at in 2021 that's going to lead into some more questions as we'll get to that portion of it. But again, that's a very interesting number when you're talking about out of the 45 touchdowns that Bozeman scored, seniors scored 43. So that means 318 points came from seniors out of the 334 points Bozeman scored. 95% of those points were by seniors. That leaves you 5% coming back here in 2021. Speaking to that, let's jump into the players that graduated. Quarterback Jordan Jones completed 108 passes out of 197, good enough for 54% completion. 1,801 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions. You look at the running back, Jesse Wattenberger, 152 carries, 755 yards, 8 touchdowns. Going along with the receptions, he had 17 catches for 234 yards and a touchdown. Looking at Grayson Sotrero, 80 carries, 384 yards, and 3 touchdowns. You look at Ken Iden, who did a lot of things for the Bozeman Hawks these last couple of years. You're looking at 32 carries, 242 yards, one touchdown. Receiving-wise, four catches, 124 yards, three touchdowns. And then on defense, 46 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, seven sacks, and 19 hurries. That's impressive because he still missed a couple of games due to injury. 
Sean McIntyre uh, also leading the way, uh, 30 carries, 112 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Brooks Talbot had 12 carries, 50 yards, three touchdowns. Had on defense, 80 tackles, nine tackles for loss, and four sacks. You had Tucker McBeth as well, 37 catches, 628 yards, nine touchdowns. Also on the defensive end, had three interceptions and one pass deflection. Another guy to mention, Luke Fedick on defense, 73 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, and led the team in sacks with 11 sacks and 28 hurries. Cameron Spencer, love giving this guy credit. He has done such a phenomenal job these last couple of years for the Bozeman Hawks on defense. He had 69 tackles, six tackles for loss, and two sacks, and was instrumental along the offensive line for the Bozeman Hawks. Again, a lot of guys to get to. You talk about the Lang brothers. Uh, you talk about Reese Stanish. You talk about Elijah Eccles and what he did in the kicking game. Um, you know, a lot of guys did a lot of things for this Bozeman Hawk team last year. Again, ton of credit to all of those guys. Again, uh, we could spend about an hour uh, reading stats about what these guys were able to accomplish. Uh, but again, uh, just an outstanding senior class uh, for Coach Levi Iweshi once again. Guys that are coming back for the Bozeman Hawks. Talk about uh, Jace Appleby, uh, one of the leading receivers coming back. Seven catches, 168 yards, two touchdowns. You look at Jackson Colton on the receiving end, two catches, 30 yards. On defense, he had 16 tackles and six tackles for loss. Uh, Bryson Zanto had three catches for 28 yards. One of the big offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Justice Perkins on defense had 23 tackles, one tackle for loss. And then one the lone All-State player, Coming back for Bozeman, Avery Allen on defense, 15 tackles, one tackle for loss, one interception, and four pass deflections. Questions for this team? Well, Bozeman's got quite a few because they lost a lot. I said this on my show last year. I was curious to how long it would be for Bozeman to feel the impact of having that second school, of having Gallatin there. I said I thought Bozeman could potentially feel the impact there in year two or year three. Um, we'll see if Bozeman feels the impact in year two or if it will hold off at least one more year. Uh, I did hear that the JV team was good last year. Uh, you know, and again, like I talked about with Sentinel, when you got a good JV team, it usually translates. So Bozeman, uh, it's going to be tough to replace. You're talking about replacing the quarterback. You're talking about replacing the running backs. You're talking about replacing the wide receivers. You're talking about replacing a couple of good offensive linemen. On top of the fact that they lost a ton on defense, you're talking about replacing two of your defensive ends that wreaked havoc. I mean, again, you're talking about – I don't know of another one-two punch coming off the edge better than Aiden and Fedek last year. I mean, those guys were a just wrecking crew in terms of getting after the quarterback. So you got to find guys to replace there. I mean, Ken Iden was also just a dude that you just could not stop. I mean, again, he was a guy that you had to stop at the line of scrimmage or you had to stop uh, as soon as he caught the football because he wasn't going to be stopped after that. I remember just seeing some of the highlights last year on some of his catches, you know, just being able to, one, either make guys miss or just completely run over them. So, again, Bozeman, they have a lot to answer for. They have to answer and they have to try and figure out uh, who's going to take over a quarterback. Who's going to be their main threat at running back? Who's going to be their next threat at wide receiver? Uh, and then along with that, who's going to be getting after the quarterback? You're talking about also trying to replace a guy like Brooks Talbot uh, at the linebacker position. Uh, so, like I said, they've got a lot of questions on this roster. And like I said, that kind of lends to why I was highlighting that 95% number because of the point scored. Now, again, I am talking about receiving and rushing touchdowns in particular, along with kicking points, because 
That's what I was going by. Again, obviously, Jordan Jones was a senior quarterback, so you could toss that in there as well. But again, when you're talking about the, the touchdowns of guys either running it in or catching it and running it in, 95% of those guys were seniors. And so, like I said, that's why I landed to believe that Bozeman does have a lot to answer for. I'm sure Coach Weshi and his staff will be able to answer those questions. They're already working on those things. If they don't already have a plan, which I'm sure they do already, uh, no question about that. Uh, but again, you're talking about a serious overhaul of the roster just because of the amount of seniors they had last year. And uh, it'll be very, very interesting to to see what and who comes out of this thing in this upcoming year. Because again, as I just mentioned with Sentinel, Bozeman takes on the defending champs, and that's going to be a good test for both of those teams. Outlook for this team. Uh, another question to go along with it in the outlook is where do they fit into the East? Bozeman is a team with questions, as I mentioned already, but this team has been a powerhouse in running the football. They have been able to find good offensive linemen. I think that's going to continue with Coach Weshi and the Bozeman Hawks. Uh, but again, uh, this is a team that's going to find themselves in a tough race in the Eastern AA. Again, uh, you talk about Billings West and, and how good they are with all the guys that they've got coming back. You talk about Senior. We'll get into them a little bit later on in our Way to Really Look series, but they've got a, a good amount of football players from the All-State list that are coming back. Uh, Great Falls looks like a team to be reckoned with along with that. And then you, you just always know there's going to be one or two teams in the conference that are going to be upstarts that are going to look to try and knock you down and get to where you've been. And Bozeman's been on the top. No question about that in the East. And so uh, some teams definitely want to try and get uh, to the spot that Bozeman's been holding the last couple of years. So uh, this is a team that I think, again, you're talking about a serious overhaul, so I don't know, know what to really make of the roster at this point. Uh, but again, because of and because of the conversations I've had with Coach Westy in the past, I do believe that this team is going to be a formidable force. No question about that in, in 2021. But it'll just be, okay, what names are going to go along with that? Because that is one of the more fascinating things and one of the things I truly enjoy about uh, covering high school football is every single year you're learning about new names, you're learning about new kids uh, because there's always such turnover. Again, this is a pretty serious amount of turnover for Bozeman, but it'll be really interesting uh, nonetheless. When you're taking a look at Bozeman's schedule, home and away, Bozeman will be on the road at Capitol, at Great Falls, at Skyview, uh, and at Billings West. And then you look at their road, or I'm sorry, their home games. They'll take on Sentinel at home. They'll have Belgrade at home. They'll have Senior at home. They'll have CMR at home. Obviously, the Gallatin rivalry game, Crosstown at home as well. So. Those are the home and road uh, teams that Bozeman will face here in 2021. Uh, so like I said, again, a, a, you look at it a very tough uh, schedule in terms of home and road. Uh, and like I said, Bozeman's going to have to uh, figure things out quickly, especially to open up uh, the season. And so, uh, like I said, I think Bozeman, uh, again, going to be a tough team, but it's just going to be one of those teams when I talk about my power rankings, uh, I think a team right now that, you know, usually you can see, you know, the red arrows or the even arrows or the uh, green arrows, which point up, I think right now for Bozeman, and at least for me, I'd have them kind of at even at this point, just simply because, I mean, they've got good players coming back, no question about that. It's just they have a lot to answer for, and you just don't know yet. And obviously, as a way too early look series, we don't know what the projection will be for Bozeman, uh, but here... Uh, on June 4th, uh, I think Bozeman is still looked at as a team in a program that's going to be a contender in the Eastern AA and a contender for the state championship as well. This is a team 
and I and I broke this down last year leading up to the football season. You talked about the team of the decades. I'll have to go back and find my list. But I know Bozeman dominated from 2010 to 2020 with multiple state championships along with multiple state title game appearances, semifinal appearances to go along with that. Uh, so I think Bozeman, I had them as the team of the decade. We'll see if they can uh, add the 2020s to their list of decade dominance, uh, and it all starts this upcoming season. So that is a way too early look at the Bozeman Hawks and a way too early look at the Sentinel Spartans. That's going to do it for Episode 2, Part 1 of the Knockout Sports Show podcast. When we come back for part two, we'll take another look at two more high school football teams in my way too early look series. And while we have another episode as well, just want to remind you, hit the subscribe button for the Knockout Sports Show podcast. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Podbean app. Or you can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at the Knockout Sports Show. Or if you've got questions to the podcast, just hit me up on the email at knockonsports at gmail.com. Make sure you follow the podcast. And like I said, folks, we got episode two, part two, followed up after this.